Thanks for joining us on the Cultured Meat and Future Food Show. We're excited to have Dr. Tom Simmons as the guest for today's episode. Most people learn about podcasts from their friends, so please share the link with any friends or colleagues that you think might find this show interesting. I recently attended a Chatham House meeting about plant-based meat and cultured meat with panelists including Guy Poppy, Alexandra Sexton, and Benjamina Bolog. Seeing alternative proteins come up in international discussions is a great step forward for the industry. New Harvest 2019 is taking place on July 19th and 20th at the MIT Media Lab in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Learn more and register for the event at www.new-harvest.org. The Cultured Meat Symposium is taking place in downtown San Francisco on November 14th and 15th. Learn more and register at www.cms19.com. Tom is the founder and CEO of STEM. He formerly held fellowships at the University of Cambridge and the World Economic Forum and has advocated for sugar reduction initiatives through Sky News and Channel 4 television appearances. This episode was recorded live on March 18, 2019. I had a casual conversation with Tom about food technology and the food industry. So let's take a look. We have a, a, about 30 minutes set aside to do a deep dive discussion uh, with Dr. Tom Simmons. And Tom Simmons is the founder and CEO of STEM. Now, is it Correct. STEM or STEM Sugar? It, the company's name is STEM. STEM. Yeah. Okay. With an exclamation point. Uh, the logo has one. <laughs> okay. The logo has one. Uh, a little bit of background. Tom is the founder and CEO. He formerly had fellowships at the University of Cambridge and the, at the World Economic Forum and has advocated sugar reduction in initiatives through Sky News and Channel 4 television appearances. And, and so Sky News is very big in the UK and Europe. Correct. Yeah. Right. Is That's it not, like... Is it not here? I wouldn't say so. It's like the direct TV. I, I see it as like the direct TV of Europe. Uh, okay. So Maybe. do you have direct TV over there? I don't know what that you is. Don't? Okay. <laughs> so I think I think it's a, a little bit of um, both. It's so, a big satellite channel. Yeah. Satellite. Right. So you watch sports on Sky as well. Uh, Sky Sports. Is a big Sky thing, Sports. Yeah. Very yeah. Big thing. yeah. Um, so let me do this official. Tom, I would like to welcome you to the Cultured Meat and Future Food Show. You are in San Francisco, we're in Berkeley actually right now, so San Francisco Bay Area, and you guys are originally based in the UK. Correct. Whereabouts in the UK are you now? Cambridge, still Still in Cambridge. Okay, great. So we gave a very brief introduction, but tell us a little bit about your background and what you're currently working on as it relates to future food. Cool. Okay. Yeah, thanks for having me, Alex. Yeah, so I'll talk about background first. Yeah, so... um, so I was for like nine years in academia. I was in University of Edinburgh, did a PhD there, and then I was in Cambridge for like almost five years. I did postdoc, uh, and I had a couple of fellowships, and um, and yeah. So so at one point, not so long ago, I was I was going to be an academic. I was going to be a professor. Like I knew I was going to be a professor. There was like no doubt in my mind. I knew I could do it, and I knew and you know I knew it was what I wanted to do. So it, was, it was sort of a done deal, and. Yes, yeah, so at some point during that whole process, uh, uh, throughout Cambridge mainly, I, I realised that, like, you know, I wanted to be a professor because I wanted to do impactful, exciting, innovative technologies. I wanted to build technologies and do things that would make a difference. And um, 
and I, I, that's still what sort of drives me now and it's still what drives STEM but um, but I sort of realized that I can sort of do a lot of that stuff through business and in many ways the sort of the applied stuff that I really wanted to do is probably better served through building a business than building than you know running a research lab in a university so <clears throat> so yeah so maybe like halfway through my time in Cambridge I sort of uh, fell out of love with the idea of being a full-time professor and, uh, and and got really interested in starting a business um, yeah, so so my whole research was in uh, I was carbohydrate chemistry, so it's sort of very related to this. But if you'd have asked me, um, you know, back three four years ago, you say, Tom, you're going to start a business. What are you going to start the business in? You know, food and sugar, you know, would have been up there, but it wouldn't have been an obvious necessary. It'd been sort of a one in three chance that I'd done something like that. Uh, most of my research was in like renewables, like renewable materials, renewable chemicals, renewable fuels. That was a sort of application area. So not food specifically? <clears throat> not really, no. So it was all plant science, it was all plant <laughs> carbohydrates, but it was more about like, um, yeah, renewable uses of, of plant material. Uh, that was the big application. You know, biofuels was a massive, right. massive trend that a lot of money, both in the US and in Europe, got pumped into uh, research labs in, in universities to do biofuels research and to do renewable material research. And, and so this sort of area got a lot of, of money from that and so a lot of the, that focus fell onto those sort of areas but um but of course it taught me a lot about um stuff that's very relevant to food and you know i would have always had a passion for health and i got involved in a few uh uh sort of outreach things like as you described on channel four and on sky where i spoke about sugar and and, and carbohydrates in food and so there's this, this sort of connection and i think actually that sort of the way these things are a bit disparate actually allowed us to do something really innovative with, with, uh, with STEM. So you know, it's a, it's a company operating in the food space, but with expertise and scientific background that came from outside the food space. Mm. So you know, nine years of research in a in a sort of area that's very related, but is like tangential in some ways, means that we can approach problems in a different way to how the food industry has approached problems. Right, and that, that makes me think a lot of the innovation occurs when somebody is not necessarily focusing on a particular technology, but uh, like you said, adjacent technology complements it. Yes. Right. Yes. And I guess the first um, example that comes to mind, this might not necessarily be technology in one sector going to another sector, but um, the, the surgery for the, uh, for the eyes um okay. the what is that called the um when you get when you don't need glasses anymore oh laser eyes yeah yeah laser so lasik lasik so lasik eye surgery i heard that they found out like how that that technology works by someone who got into a car accident right. there was some scar tissue in their eyes right. and afterwards they didn't need to wear glasses anymore and it was crazy getting into a car accident and then not needing glasses anymore. Okay. And then they investigated that technology and then they came up with LASIK eye surgery. Oh, okay. So something that I definitely would... I wear glasses, you wear glasses, yeah. but I definitely would not want to have lasers pointing to my eyes. Or but... crash into it, have a car crash or... just to cure that. Yeah. Right, exactly. So... No, I think um, that, that's like an extreme example. I that's it. Yeah, that's an extreme example. <laughs> but I think that's right. I think... Um, I think, um, I think a lot of, a lot of um, companies doing deep science-based... Um, uh, innovation, if you like, or deep science-based, yeah, entrepreneurship. Um, I, I think they probably tend to approach innovation almost a bit too much, like how academics do. You know, with academics, it's we want to, you know, we 
The way to solve a problem is to do a really, really, really hard technical breakthrough and you know, a lot of research effort, and a lot of money, a lot of manpower. And really, like the, the best businesses are probably not built on things like that. They're built on the, um, I don't want to say necessarily serendipitous, because I think you can sort of systematize it in a, in a large way. But yeah, you, you want to take a sort of proven technology and, and adapt it onto something in a way that no one else has seen. That's where... That's where you build a business proposition that looks appealing because it, it's sort of proven technology and obvious um, uh, market needs. And the thing is just that no one's connected the two. Not that we need to invent some crazy new technology to solve the problem. Right, that right. Sense? That the insights from one industry apply to these other industries. Yeah, yeah. So you right. can see the analogy from what, what I'm saying about STEM. Right. But, so, but I think it could apply to a load of places. And I think it could really, really apply uh, to a lot of uh, life science now nowadays because the sort of you know this has been coming for a long time i think but life science is really getting to the point where you know there's huge huge sort of advances made to the point where we can do lots of different things and and you know life science can ultimately be applied to a whole range of different industries which right now have sort of are completely unaware of it so you know materials fuels food uh nutraceuticals things like that you know these pla- places these industries tend to be run by people who aren't super well versed in these areas uh, and so there's lots of opportunity I think to apply for people who do know that stuff to understand the industry and make connections that no one else has seen right actually the, so I want to touch on that is is really kind of the the era that we're in and I'll, I'll give another example that's a little bit far off too mm-hmm. uh, the, so the example that I'll, I'll give is related to kind of recording technology so mm-hmm. right now they say you know, we actually don't have very high quality equipment here. I think everything was put together with like 50 or 60 bucks, right? Okay. But the fact that we can actually record or even live stream with 50 to 60 bucks gives us the golden era of recording yeah. or gear um, for this time. Okay. And, and so I'm going to use that example to pretty much ask you if someone is getting into life sciences and, and biotech, Mm-hmm. Is right now a really good time mm-hmm. for it, and and I preface because we're seeing a couple different things. So we originally met at Bonneville Labs, and you guys were based out of Bonneville Labs at that time for a short period of time, right? We were, yeah. And and actually, I tried a, a sample, a product. Yeah. Um, it was cookie. a cookie, a yeah, cookie, yeah. and it, it was it was awesome. Um, but so Bonneville Labs is a great example, a co-working space for biotech. Right now, we're in a WeWork again, shared spaces. For biotechnology and, uh, and the sciences, are we in kind of a golden era for that in terms of accessibility and allowing people to, to conduct experiments or go into a lab? Um, yeah, I mean, there's like, uh, is it a golden era? I mean, I guess it's a lot easier now than it would have been 20 years ago. I mean, I can't speak from personal experience. I wasn't there. But yeah, I mean, there's lots of facilities around and... Um, you know, I mean, to give like a trite example, gene sequencing is an obvious thing where the costs are just astronomically lower than they ever were before. So to, if you want to do anything in that sort of space, like it's just impossible until fairly recently. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, equipment, um, you, know, you know, we have to do a lot of quite heavy um, uh, engineering process sort of uh, 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 processes. So we need big facilities. And we're fortunate that there's quite a few of these around nowadays, and in which there were, you know, fairly recently there wouldn't have been. So, yeah, you can definitely do stuff. The infrastructure is around to do stuff that it would not have been possible to do before. And technology that allows you to do things is the price has come down to a point where you can rapidly iterate in a way you couldn't do before. Yeah. 
uh, definitely not as cheap as podcasting, of course. <laughs> Correct. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, so there. So back to the product, um, yeah. STEM. Yeah. Are you guys taking a B two B approach, B two C approach? What will the product be? Okay. Uh, and will it be available for consumers, or is it more of a B two B approach? So I'll tell you what. So yeah, we've not even described what the product is yet, have we? So okay. So so what STEM does is we make ingredients that allow food companies to uh, make solid food products like cookies, cakes, biscuits, chocolate, pastries, donuts, etc. without the negative health effects of sugar, of conventional sugar. So, so a lot of these products are full of sugar, of course. So there's, you know, global ec- epidemics in diabetes, obesity, heart disease, tooth decay caused by just excessive amounts of sugar being consumed. And um, so the background towards, so that's sort of what we do. We make ingredients... We want to sell them to the food industry more so than to consumers. Probably that's that's where the big problem lies more so than home baking, for example. But, but uh, so the background to this is that the the whole food industry wants to get rid or wants to reduce sugar at least across the whole, of course, everything that is produced by the food or, or beverages. And there's been a huge amount of effort to um, uh, to address that problem over many many decades. Uh, and the product of that huge amount of effort has been a whole load of ingredients that allow people to replace sugar uh, to some extent uh, so these are sort of sweeteners uh, sugar, um, sugar replacements etc and that has enabled so that's been really successful in enabling uh, sugar reduction or complete sugar replacement in drinks so if you're going to a supermarket now almost all drinks are um, uh, either sugar free or low, low in sugar. And or have a sugar-free alternative, right? Correct. So, right. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so, th- so these things are sort of widely available right now. And uh, But if you go down a bakery aisle, as opposed to like the beverage aisle, uh, bakery is still packed full of sugar. If you right, go down a candy right. section, still full of sugar. Right. Uh, and the reason is that like replacing sugar in drinks is com- like technically... Are technically easier than replacing it in food. In drinks, sugar is basically just a sweetener. If you find anything that replaces the sweetness of sugar that tastes sweet when you put it on your tongue, you basically solve the problem for, for drinks. So like stevia, for example, you taste it on your tongue, it tastes sweet. That sort of solves the problem. You can get rid of sugar, you can add stevia. There's still issues about it being exactly the same taste of, of, of sugar, but, um, but uh, uh, to a large extent, it solves the problem. In food, however, you've got a far more complicated rolls of sugar so roll sugar is not just in cake it's not just a sweetener it doesn't just make cakes taste sweet it also makes cakes look like cake and feel like a cake right. it plays roles in texture structure caramelization crystallization browning etc so in principle you could add a bit of stevia to a cake mix and you could make a cake mix that tastes sweet but if you, you couldn't add stevia and take out the sugar because right. you, it would taste in principle sweet, but it would not be it wouldn't look like a cake or feel like a cake because right. sugar just defines what a cake is as much as what it tastes like. Right. We don't have Oreos that are zero sugar. Yeah, and it's part right. of the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, but so what we do is so and so. There's another aspect to this as well. Nowadays, consumers do not want uh, artificial in, in, uh, ingredients. They don't want uh, sugar replacements. Um, they want natural ingredients. Okay, so what, so what we do is we, we take the salute, the take approach that we think tackles both these issues. So what we do is we, we make ingredients in which we extract low-calorie sugars. We have a biological process for extracting low-calorie sugars from plant materials. And, and, and then we sort of uh, clean those, things, those up, and that's the ingredient ready to go. So the health advantages are this is low-calorie, uh, diabetic-friendly, etc. So sort of we address the, the, uh, the health issues. 
on a sort of on a natural level. This is all plant derived, so we we sort of we're safe on that level. But also we've got the additional advantage that because our ingredients actually are sugars themselves, they're low calorie sugars, but they are sugars themselves. They're able to behave in solid food in a way that aspartame and stevia etc. can't. Oh, they okay. physically perform like sugar as well. So we think that so for the first time we can make we can economically allow the food industry to make uh, uh, cakes, cookies, biscuits, chocolates, donuts without them being you know half cane sugar or half beet sugar. We can put our low calorie sugars in there and still have ingredients that look and feel like cakes, but without the health downsides. Interesting. Okay, so you it's so low calorie sugar. Yeah. Uh, but at least from the sample that I tried, the taste was all there. Would you say the yeah. taste is one to one, or is it is it slightly different? Um, I mean, so I suppose with all with all products, it's easy to make a product that with all ingredients, it's easy to make a product that tastes bad, right? right. You can you can overcook something and everything tastes awful. Right. So yeah, so so you've got to you know that, that's what we spent a lot of time during my combinator doing making recipes that that appeal to people. So, but but we can do it. We can we can make ingredients and we can so we can make um, products like the cookies you had that people can taste and. So can't tell the difference between the ones that are full of sugar, which causes uh, obesity and diabetes, and our low-calorie sugars, which don't. Interesting. Okay. And so you mentioned Y, Combin uh, y Combinator. Yeah. Uh, let's chat a little bit about that because um, so your team went through Y Combinator last year, uh, 2018, and uh, you know food technology at Y Combinator is somewhat of a of a new thing. Uh, before they were focused very much on uh, the, the computer science tech. Yes. And so how was Y Combinator for your team? And, uh, and how do you think that uh, really, do you think other accelerators will start opening up for, for food tech? We're seeing a couple, but uh, do you think that they're really setting the stage? Yeah, I mean, I mean obviously there are, there are startups, there are um, accelerators that do food only now, right. and there are startups that do only biotech and so they do food as well but um uh yeah i mean why so why combinator is still heavily uh, on, on on software the majority we were actually at the um alumni demo day yesterday yesterday yeah. okay so demo day is right now today right now yeah, okay i saw some tweets about it today right, so yeah. i thought okay maybe it is so demo day is happening six months yeah we did it six months ago so it's, but it's happening right now yeah i mean and there are some companies on this batch that are doing, doing, that are doing technology. Yeah, yeah. So you know, so obviously, like, and and I know it's something they're interested in. The, the partners are interested in. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, it's related to the whole the fact that this has become an area of interest to to investors in general. Um, you know, it's all like 10, 20 years ago, food would not have been a sexy thing to invest in at all, and all of a sudden now, it really has become that. And uh, there's been a few big success stories and advances in technology, like what we talked about, have enabled that, uh, and infrastructure, etc. So yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Y Combinator are interested in it, but so are you know the whole investment space. All of a sudden, right? You know, one food company that I saw, at least for me, sparked a lot of interest was RX Bar. Oh, yeah. uh, I have a design background, so a big part of their success, I believe, was attributed to like the rebranding and kind of getting out there simple ingredients. So that's what perked my interest. But um, but yeah, I, I think I think it's it's interesting to see so many new, or I guess I should say, Sand Hill Road, the Silicon Valley VCs, yeah. start now putting more and more money into food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. So 
when it comes to food regulation, at least for cultured meat yeah. in the U.S. Yeah. and around the world, we see that that's a huge hurdle. Yeah. When it comes to regulation of the product that you're working on, yeah. is that a challenge? Uh, I mean, so it's always it's always uh, a, I mean a job to be done. Uh, yeah, we we fortunately don't have the same issues with with cultured meats. Right. I mean, these, these things are completely in different ball games. What we do, you know, we um, ours are you know we we have to go through a, a standard process with the FDA and different split places around the world. And and for the U.S., does that fall under the grass? Yeah, that's generally grass. recognized as safe. Correct. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. And in the U.K., do you have something similar? So Europe has uh, the novel food regulation. Okay. The EFSA is EFSA. Um, it's the European sort of equivalent. They they just do food, not drugs, uh, but they have their own one. Yeah. And so, so I mean. Um, yeah, it's not trivial, but equally, like, yes, it's not in any way near like the same ballpark as, as cultured meat because, you know, as, as much as it's a new, it's, a, it's something the food industry has not seen before, what we're doing, it's, as I say, it's a sort of a natural product. We take plant material, they are sugars derived from plants and carbohydrate material derived from plants. So, um, you know, there's a lot of precedent for stuff like that in the, in the, in the human diet. The FDA really has no huge worries about any health risks. So it's really just a sort of formal process. That you have to go through right and so you probably don't need to have someone dedicated full-time at least at this stage just to regulation well we have a guy doing regulation. oh you do yeah, okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> so okay so regulation is i mean yeah it's an important thing like, yeah we've got to get it done of course and uh and yeah yeah so yeah it's a key thing we need to do so we do <laughs> okay so there is somebody yeah so you know this is totally outside of food but there's a story of a friend um, that was in the cannabis industry okay and he was telling me that when regulations were about to open up uh, in in Illinois uh, he so his team was working on so much paperwork that the legal team uh, drafted up so much paperwork for the regulation of the cannabis stuff that they had to fill an entire van up with just documents right? Wow. and drive it down to Springfield and drop it there. And there was all these other essentially pallets of the application process. Wow. Um, but I can't imagine that for something that is grass, it would, it takes that much paperwork. What? Is that really gr- vans full? That, that that's sounds, what that I... That sounds unbelievable. That's, so the story is, I'll, I'll, I'm going to have to get the full details from him, but the story is... There was a, a, a legal team in New York uh-huh. that was drafting everything up. They flew the, that pallet of paperwork over to Chicago. He wow. picked it up with a van, drove it down to Springfield. Wow. So, um, yeah, that's a totally different ballgame, though. But Definitely both different ballgame, yeah. It, yeah. It, it makes you realize, like, how crazy regulation can be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and I'll have to, I'll, fa- I'll fact check those numbers with him, so... Cool. <laughs> What is what is really the next step for your company, and is is there a, a timeline where we might be eating baked goods that have STEM products in them? Yeah. So uh, yeah. So we didn't really say it explicitly, then, did I? Yeah. We're focusing on baked goods, as as, as you know, uh, cookies, cakes, biscuits. Um, ultimately, we think we can apply this 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 same approach to sort of the whole food space. So we think we can address almost any. A solid food product that, as I say, currently it's this untapped market. Currently, it's the sugar is the only game in town. Normal mm-hmm. cane sugar, we think we can do that. But we start in on baked goods. We want to be in a food in a in a U.S. based bakery product this time next year. 
Okay. Oh, are you starting with the U.S. first? Yes, yeah, starting with U.S. first. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Why is that? Well, um, it's we, we think the market makes more sense. Um, uh, more donuts being sold, maybe. More, no. <laughs> well, Americans eat a lot of bakery. Yeah. Yeah. Americans eat a lot of sugar. But I mean, no, I mean, demographically, Europe's not a million miles away, but uh, probably America does consume more, and um, you know, investors are here. Uh, the climate for it seems more more relevant here. We're doing regulation here already, so right. yeah. So it's sort of all sort of all pointing in this direction. Very cool. Yeah. So if there's an entrepreneur out there that's interested in getting into um, the food technology space, mm-hmm. do you have any advice for them? Get into the food technology space. Um, it's a. Uh, so I'm actually doing something. I'm actually um, I'm the agri agri food pathway lead in the judge business school in cambridge right now so they've asked me to do like help them sort of put together some course material for students and one of the tough things about it is it's like such a such a diverse area right you said food in particular this is agri-food but you know anything from farm all the way to a food product there's just a million different things within that so right. i can't profess to be an expert in all these different areas um like you know for the area that we're in right now like i think the like a lot of my sort of reflections on why uh, we've had success with the approach we've taken so far um, was retrospective realization of it being the right strategy rather than um, in advance. But it was basically what I said to you before. Um, you know, I think what you want to try and do is avoid as much as possible any like having to do incredibly complex technical advances to achieve things, and we want to look for opportunities where. Uh, science, life science in our case or whatever, has, has reached has reached a sort of a point where uh, it can be applied in certain spaces, and uh, without you know without having to go and get astronomic amounts of money to do br- groundbreaking breakthroughs in, on a sort of basic science level, you want to find um, uh, yeah yeah find places where robust technology solves known problems, and the missing piece of the puzzle is only the fact that no one's connected the two. Right. Uh, we sort of what we said before, but uh, it's easier said than done. Like right. it's pretty tough. The whole the whole point is like if it was obvious, someone would have done it already. So the the way to do that, I think, is you've got to sort of understand a broader range of of, of, of technical subjects and really put the effort into understanding what what drives um, industries to have certain problems and make and consumers to make certain decisions. Um, but that that strikes me as by far the better. Uh, a business proposition if you can put something like that together a, a clear problem and a and a solution that works not a clear problem and like and we're going to try and make something to solve it and we need some money to do that right yeah kind of identifying the problem instead of trying to uh, develop the problem yeah so. and, and you know because because a lot you know a lot of the food industry is it's not like the pharmaceutical industry where it's run by like by intense scientists there, there are some there are good scientists of course in the food industry but not quite as scientific so i think there's more space for these sort of things to 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 find a place in this area right yeah that leads on to kind of a fun question i have okay i recently Finally. what's that no, oh yeah <laughs> so i <laughs> i recently heard about a science tool a lab tool called the mouth pipette is am i saying it right anita <clears throat> yes so have you heard of the mouth pipette the mouth pipette. Yes. As it, I mean, it wasn't that how people used to pipette years ago. Right. Right. Is that so? Is that a thing? Have you heard of that? Have you? Like do you I, are there history books where people are using this? Like, yeah. it, to me, that sounds insane. Yeah, right? for sure. People used to use, instead of having a pipette with a. I mean, right. th- these things are quite complex things. Before right. that, there was like a 
like a glass tube and you just sucked and you had to stop sucking at the right point. What if you yeah, what if get you distracted, right? Yeah. Of course, you wouldn't get a text and like, oh, <laughs> right? But yeah, well, that's people why, get hurt. That's why they're not used anymore. Yeah, yeah. oh, that's crazy. No, but I, well, I, I'm pretty sure in, in some of the labs I've worked in, they had old ones lying around and with explicit instruction, do not use those things. Yeah. Right, oh, wow. That's crazy. To, I mean, just, I'm not in the, the, the science world, right? And so... Have never really been in a lab, so thinking about that is well. The things that used to happen, like you know, a de- a, you know, a century ago in like chemical research is like insane. People used to smoke next to all the chemicals while they oh, did experiments. Yeah. Oh like, no! <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, cool. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, before we cut off today, I want to reach out to see if there's anybody that has any questions. Um, if we don't have any questions, we can. Uh, maybe follow up on social media or anything like that. Uh, and before we cut off, um, your team is based in Cambridge right now. Are you yep. guys currently hiring? Yes, we are hiring right now, yeah. Okay, and the best place to find job openings and information about your company is stemsugar.com. Correct, yeah. S-T-E-M sugar.com. Correct. Awesome. Tom, thank you so much. Thank you, Alex. This has Good been be great. Yep. And, uh, and thank you for being with us on the Cultured Meat and Future Food Show.